section twenty three of eleven possible cases by various this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kate Fallis. Eleven Possible Cases by Various. The End of All by Nim Crinkle. Part One. The difficulty that I experience in complying with your request, dear spirit, springs from the terrestrial limitations of thought and expression from which as you may well know i have not been long enough with you to free myself i shall however give you a plain narrative of the events attending the extinction of life on our planet asking you only to remember that i am doing it just as i would have done it were it possible for a fellow human being while on earth using the phraseology and the terrestrial time divisions with which i am most familiar the circumstance which at our last intercourse i was trying to explain to you was simply this in the early summer of the year eighteen hundred ninety two a sudden interruption of navigation occurred on the pacific coast which curiously enough attracted very little attention outside of scientific circles i was living at the house of my wealthy friend judge brisbane in gramercy park to tell you the truth i was in love with his beautiful daughter of whom i shall have to speak more fully to you for she was intimately associated with me in the appalling scenes which you desire me to describe i was sitting in the judge's library on the night of june twenty fifth his daughter was present and i had been conversing with her in an undertone while the judge read the evening papers he suddenly laid down the paper took off his spectacles and turning round in his chair said to me did you see the brief dispatch in the morning papers two days ago from san francisco saying that all the eastern-bound vessels were overdue on that coast i replied at once that i had not noticed it it is astonishing he said that in our present system of journalism the most important events connected with the welfare of mankind receive the slightest attention from the newspapers and the trivialities of life are most voluminously treated a movement in the iron trade that affects millions of homes gets a brief paragraph in small type and the quarrel of a ballet girl with her paramour receives illuminated attention down whole columns here is something taking place in the pacific ocean of surpassing interest to the race and nobody pays the slightest attention to it except perhaps the consignees and shipping clerks what is it we both asked with the languid interest that young people having an overmastering personal affair on hand would be apt to take in matters of national or universal importance the judge got up and going to a side table where he kept his papers piled in chronological order pulled out a recent issue of a morning journal and after looking it over searchingly a moment said here i should think you would notice such a paragraph as this then he read as i recollect a telegraphic dispatch to this effect san francisco june twenty third 
considerable anxiety is felt here in commercial circles by the non-arrival of any eastward-bound vessels for a week the steamship cafe of the occidental line is overdue four days an unusual easterly wind has been blowing for twenty-four hours weather mild that dispatch you will perceive said the judge was sent two days ago now here on the twenty-fifth i read in the evening paper another dispatch from san francisco hidden away at the bottom of column of commercial news listen to this san francisco june twenty fifth the entire suspension of travel from the west continues to excite the gravest apprehensions nothing but coastwise vessels have come in during the past eight days the u s cruiser mobile left honolulu three weeks ago for this coast there is no official intimation of a storm in the chinese seas the judge laid the paper down and regarded us both a moment in silence as if expecting to hear some remark that indicated our suddenly awakened curiosity i don't think we responded with any adequate interest to the occasion miss brisbane did indeed stare at her father in her dreamy abstracted way a moment and then got up and going to the open window began to arrange the curtains as if relinquishing whatever problem there was to the superior acumen of the masculine mind i think i said that it looked as if there had been a cyclone somewhere and if there had we should in all probability get the accounts of it soon enough but young man replied the judge with his magisterial emphasis cyclones do not extend from the fiftieth degree of north latitude to the fortieth degree of south latitude and vessels are due at san francisco from melbourne and japan what then other than a storm at sea could have caused a detention of all these vessels i asked and i must have unwittingly betrayed in the tone of my voice or the expression of my face that considerate superciliousness with which youth regards the serious notions of mature philosophers for the judge putting his gold spectacles upon his nose and regarding me over the top of them a moment said rather severely other than the known and regular phenomena of this planet do not interest young men if i could answer your question there would be no special interest in the matter i mention these trivial incidents because insignificant as they may seem they were the first ripples of that disaster which was soon enough to overwhelm us all and to show you what were the only premonitions the world had of the events which were to follow on june twenty sixth the subject did not occur to me a hundred other things of far more immediate consequence to me occupied my attention a young man who is preparing to get married is not apt to take sombre views of anything nor is he very apt to allow the contumacy of age in his prospective father-in-law to aggravate him it was a pardonable freak i thought in a man who had retired in most respects from the active world to dogmatize a little about that world now that he judged it through his favourite evening paper when therefore on the night of the twenty-sixth while at the tea-table the judge broke out again about the meteorological wave on the pacific coast 
his daughter kate and i exchanged a rapid but furtive glance which said in the perfect understanding of lovers there comes the old gentleman's new hobby again and we can well afford to treat it leniently the judge had the damp evening paper in his hand and he disregarded the steaming cup of tea which his daughter had poured for him well he said with a toss of self-satisfied import now the newspapers are waking up to the significance of the california news he then read from the paper as nearly as i can recollect something like the following san francisco june twenty sixth there is an intense and growing anxiety on this coast with respect to the non-appearance of any eastward-bound vessels the breeze from the east continues and is unprecedented now i should like to know said the judge as he laid down the paper and took up his teacup why a breeze from the east in california should be unprecedented because i ventured to remark it usually blows from the sea at this season nonsense exclaimed the judge with vigour a variation for a few days in wind or weather is a common occurrence everywhere fancy a message sent to all over the world from the west indies that the trade winds were six days late or a telegram from minnesota that the winter frosts had been interfered with for a week by pleasant sunshine no sir the event of importance to the californian at this moment is the mysterious something that has happened out at sea and there is no excuse for his associating a summer breeze from the east with it except that there is something peculiar about that breeze that associates it in the mind with the predominant mystery i smiled you will pardon me judge but it seems to me i said that you are trying to invest the whole affair with an occult significance that is subjective i suppose that in a few hours the matter will be explained and forgotten in a moment we were in one of those foolish little wrangles in which so far as argument is concerned the younger man is at a great disadvantage when the elder however unreasonable his claims enforces them with the advantage of age and position i remember that the desire to convince kate on the one hand that i was free from what i conceived to be her father's unreasonableness and sustain my independence of views on the other hand led me to say much more than was polite for i exasperated the old gentleman and with a curt and not altogether complimentary remark he got up and left the room the moment he was gone i turned to the daughter and laughingly said well my dear i am afraid i have offended your father without intending it but you at least understand me and are free from his superstition to my surprise she regarded me with a serious air and replied i do not know what you mean by superstition my father believes that something has happened and i feel that he is right you do not mean to tell me i said that you believe anything has happened that can concern us she made no reply i looked at her with some astonishment and wondered if i had offended her by opposing her father's childish views perhaps i persisted you too think i am stupidly unreasonable because i will not consent to be dishonestly chimerical 
i well remember the look of sad reproach with which she silently regarded me and i well remember too the thought that came into my mind i said to myself this is the same obduracy that her father has shown odd it is that i never noticed the trait in her before then i added with an equal obduracy that i was not conscious of perhaps you too have discovered some peculiarity of good sense in me that is offensive and you are afraid that something will happen if we here she interrupted me in her quiet resolute and reproachful way something has happened she said i was amazed if i had suddenly discovered that the woman i loved was unfaithful to me it could not have produced in my frame of mind at that moment a greater shock it seemed to me then that the wooing of months the confidence and affection of a year were to be sacrificed in a moment of infatuated stubbornness the very thought was so unnatural that it produced a revulsion in my own feelings my darling i said as i went toward her impulsively we are playing the unworthy part of fools nothing can ever happen that will make us love each other less or prevent you from being my wife i put my arm around her in the old familiar way she was passive and irresponsive she stood there limply holding the curtain with one white arm upraised her beautiful head bent over and her eyes cast down so that i could not look into her face this stony obduracy was so new and unlike her that i withdrew my arm and stepped back a little to regard her with astonishment not unmingled with pique at that moment she lifted her head slowly and as she looked at me with a dreamy and faraway pathos i saw that her eyes were filled with tears it seems to me she said with a voice that sounded as if it was addressed to an invisible phantom way beyond me it seems to me that i shall never be your wife i must have stared at her several seconds in silence then i said you are ill you are not yourself when you have recovered your normal condition i will come back i snatched a kiss from her lips that were strangely cold and rushed from the house end of section twenty three